0: Welcome to Doc Talk, starring Doc Manson
1: from DDTpot.com.
0: Hello there, and welcome to a very special edition of Doc Talk. I have with me here today a old, old, old friend. Goes by the name of. The narcissist these days, uh, Big E Smalls, Little E, how are we doing today, good sir?
1: I'm doing pretty well, although I'm not sure if I should be offended by the emphasis on the old there.
0: about the little?
1: Oh, well, that that's understood.
0: So, okay, <laughs> who are you, vaguely speaking, and how do
1: I know you? Well, I'm a person. I've, that's uh, as about
0: as vague as you can get. That's that's good. That's good. You're you're catching on quickly.
1: I've I've listened to a couple of episodes, um, and you know but...
0: I'm the one who obstructs, not I'm not the one who gets obstructed. So let's move this along, shall we?
1: Well, uh, I believe we are old friends from uh, the college years back when uh, Mr. DC Matthews uh, NAI had talked about his uh, one of his old roommates. I am that old roommate. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: You guys love each other.
1: Oh, we are best buds. Um, The other person that you might associate me with is whenever they mention uh, Rachel on the podcast, I'm the boyfriend. So I'm that other guy. You're the one who gets
0: all those threats, I presume, about getting dumped because of all those awful boyfriend jokes.
1: I mean, the ex-boyfriend jokes are um, not necessarily because I'm being dumped. Uh, I think it's just uh, Rachel's not, you know, able to come up with the same quality of humor that I am capable of. And she's just a little jealous. That's all. That's how I see this. Are
0: you really going to claim that somebody's jealous of that (laughs) level of humor?
1: Well, when your level of humor is... uh, at that quality you kind of have to
0: hope for anything okay fair enough um so we're our old friends from uh college um we were roommates as well there was a time when both all three of us you me and uh, dc lived underneath a single roof um how long ago was that that was what a decade ago was that was that more now
1: that was back uh... about that Probably about 2006, 2007.
0: All right, so yeah, about 10 years ago. Yeah. All right. Um, So let me ask you another question. Why on earth would you want to be on a podcast? Uh, One with me, no less.
1: Well, uh, I I share the same affliction that you are, uh, that you have. I, too, am a wrestling fan. I have uh, been a wrestling fan for a long time, since I was a little kid, back, uh, you know, mid to late 80s and
0: (laughs) so okay if you've been a wrestling fan since um your childhood what what's your what is your earliest memory of wrestling
1: uh probably my earliest memories are back in the you know the Hulk Hogan days you got the probably like back in like Early 90s is probably when I really, really remember wrestling. I remember the cheesiness of, you know, the horrible double Undertaker SummerSlam. Yeah, yes,
0: that was so good. What are you talking about? <laughs> horrible cheesiness. That was one of the best <laughs> memories I have from my childhood.
1: Oh, no, no. That was because it was sponsored by Domino's. That's why. That too. Yeah. That's why it's horrible cheesiness. I see. Um, but. Back then you had Razor Ramon, you had Shawn Michaels, you know, the classics of the, okay. of the day.
0: But who were your favorite characters of the day?
1: Oh my favorites, let's see here.
0: Little smalls. Little biggie smalls, little young smalls, little little uh when you were the youngin', when you were, you know, the young the young E, uh what who did you gravitate towards?
1: I mean, Shawn Michaels was probably my my favorite at growing
0: wrong! up. Wrong, wrong, wrong. What? I mean, how? Were you a stupid child? Why would you like Shawn Michaels back then?
1: I mean, he just he, he had the total package, you know. Ironically, the person who was not the total package was, in fact, Lex Luger. He was not the total package.
0: Now well, they claimed that he was though. Um, so you've seen
1: liked... the not that total.
0: You've actually seen. <laughs> package Is that what you're going to s- Are you going on the airwaves now to make this confession that you have, in fact, seen Lex Luger's package?
1: We're talking about the tour bus, right?
0: <laughs> sure. Let's go with okay. that. Uh, okay, so wait, Shawn Michaels. Why did you like Shawn Michaels? Wasn't this like in his... You know, wasn't he this, like, in his days of being a, a heel, a pretty boy, boy toy? Like, wasn't he just, like, the worst human being on the planet? You liked him as a child?
1: Well, I mean, he was a, you know, just a very charismatic wrestler. Always very interesting. Oh, yeah, but you were not a- You were not 10
0: years old saying, Yeah, but I really admire his charisma. There's no way that you were saying that or thinking that. That's not the analysis that you gave it when you were 10 years old, right? Or am I wrong? Were you very mature for a nine-year-old wrestling connoisseur? I, I don't know. You tell I, I don't me.
1: Think I, I don't think I've ever been labeled as very mature. Uh, True. Now.
0: We can um, ask Rachel. Why don't we ask Rachel if that's a label that's appropriate?
1: Rachel, would you consider me a mature person at any yeah. point? <laughs> she immediately, immediately said no, shook her head several times. I take that as
0: a yes. Oh yeah, we heard it. There, there was no, uh, there was no hesitation on her part. Okay, so, so knowing then that that's not possibly the stance that you can be trying to defend. Again, I ask you, sir, how on earth could you like Sean Michaels?
1: I mean, my earliest days. I mean, yes. I, I am going remember. to put
0: your childhood on trial here. That's exactly what we're doing.
1: I mean, of course, I was also a huge fan of the Hulk Hogan's and the, the Macho Man's of the world. Oh,
0: no! You do not get to deflect and change the subject here. Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, that was the correct answer. But now, <laughs> since you've decided to start down this path, and you say that Shawn Michaels was your favorite wrestler, I want to know why. Why oh, Shawn Michaels?
1: I think it's a long-term kind of thing. Like, No! I remember him <laughs> Wow, you are holding court here. You are a tough interview. Were, Sorry. Uh, I asked which, the hard questions. The hard-pressing questions when it comes to such important events, such as my childhood. Hey, this is
0: important. This is this is giving the neighborhood, all the DDT besties context. out here. Right, we're giving you context. We're introducing you as a new character that might, you know, pop up on these uh these podcast streams. They need to know about you, and they need to know whether or not you pass uh, the doc test. So, you know. Can you handle it? you I, I, <laughs> paraphrase I, I, one uh, <laughs> Rich Swan. can you handle this?
1: I did start dancing when you said that.
0: Well, it, it happened. It's natural.
1: Um, but, uh, I mean, I think you're right. Looking back, Shawn Michaels probably would not be the number one choice. He was a dick! Admit it! He's still, well, even when he was good, he was still a dick.
0: Well, but... that's probably true. <laughs> But do do you, do you have any recollection, legitimately, do you have any recollection of him not being a good guy? Or did you just like oh, him? Yeah. I mean, plenty of people cheered him. There's really nothing wrong with that.
1: I mean, I don't know if I, I mean, it wasn't necessarily something where you had to, like, personally like him. But it was, you could sense that anything he was involved in, you enjoyed. Because either you enjoyed somebody kicking his butt, or you enjoyed, once he turned, you enjoyed him, you know, getting his...
0: And see I don't again I don't mean to put you on blast or call you out but I feel like that's a very that's a very mature sort of perspective to take on this when I was a kid I hated Shawn Michaels. I, I had no I had no thought in my head that oh well I don't like him, uh, but you know, when he gets his butt kicked by Bret Hart, I'm really gonna like that. I know he's gonna put on a good match. I wasn't thinking about good matches. I wasn't evaluating the quality of the performance. I just knew he was a bad dude. I didn't like him. He was, you know, a slimy boy toy, whatever face. Uh he stinks, and yeah, I'm gonna totally cheer for, you know, the Hulk Hogans, the Randy Savages, the the Bret Harts, I mean, you know, I was 110%. Don't tell me, maybe I was a naive child. I mean, that's entirely possible. Well, hey, uh, hey,
1: hey. When, one thing you mentioned there with the Bret Hart. I mean, did you not remember his whole story with his trainer and how when they were leading into the Iron Man match, this was like the most important match of his career and him winning that really changed everything. You know, that made him into that baby face that everybody could cheer and that build up to that that experience there that really you know kind of solidified him as you know not being such a sleaze ball anymore
0: i mean he definitely was a sleaze ball but again i don't think i was really necessarily aware of him as a sleaze ball when i came into it i mean obviously When I went back and I rented the older WrestleManias from the local, uh, you know, Video Galaxy or RX Place or whatever. Yeah, like, I guess if I I paid close enough attention, I would recognize the fact that he was, in fact, not a face in those early matches. Uh, But, you know, when I was really into wrestling, paying attention, the current sort of storyline, I think he was already sort of past that. Or at least my awareness of him being a sleaze was, was sort of... Uh, downplayed for sure, so I never really knew him as anything other than that, you know, hitman character with the sunglasses, giving him to kids, and being that general sort of go lucky hero type, you know.
1: Well, even then, I mean, Bret Hart. Was but still you bring up of, a good point. But yeah. Bret Hart was still kind of the good guy in that. But I mean, at least that made that made uh, Shawn Michaels a character that was worth you know cheering for and rooting for. I mean, how
0: can you say I was a child and I watched? Uh, Shawn Michaels super kick Marty Jannetty through plate glass and say, oh yeah, he's a, he's the guy I want to cheer.
1: Well, did you ever think Marty Jannetty had it coming?
0: No. In fact, not as a 10 year old. I didn't. I mean now. Yeah, clearly, but not as a 10 year old. Certainly not.
1: Well, I mean, to be fair, don't you think some people just have that kind of face that needs a super kick?
0: I think you do. Yeah.
1: Well, that's why I know I'm Marty Jannetty, basically. Oh yeah, so fair enough. I understand. I understand his uh his situation. I say sometimes okay. you just need to get kicked in the face.
0: Yeah. So what? Uh, who else did you enjoy? But besides Shawn Michaels, was it, so wait. But first, Shawn Michaels is your number one. You're gonna say number one as as a child. You're number one with Shawn Michaels.
1: I would say overall long term approach.
0: Oh no 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 no! You can't. You don't get to say that because long term. I wouldn't. My my childhood hero was Hulk Hogan, but long term, I don't think I can, no. I can still claim that. But no, I'm, I mean, not, I'm not going to change my answer. As a child, I, I thought Hulk Hogan was awesome.
1: I mean, Hogan was awesome. Yes. I mean I, I I ate my vitamins. I said my prayers. I did. I did. Did my part. Um. So I definitely was a big fan of the Hulkster. Uh let's see. I, you know, Macho Man. His story was always very interesting. I remember him even when he got involved with uh, Ho-Yin, you know, the the Mega Powers. Right.
0: Um, Let's see. I really (laughs) enjoyed, I will say this, now I'm thinking back, I did really like Jake the Snake, even though he was, you know, he spent a long time sort of as a bad guy as well. Although he he clearly did have some face turns, because I think when I think about him and one of the things I really liked, um, I mean, as a kid, it was probably his feud with The Undertaker. Although I think... Mm -hmm. Was he a heel in that, Jake? I think he might have been.
1: Well, when the Hunter Taker first came out, he was kind of a heel because he kind of started with. Um...
0: Yeah, but when they were actually feuding, like in the funeral parlor, I, I want to say Jake was the bad guy there, not Taker at that point.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I would probably say Jake could be the bad guy, but he, I mean, he had no chance of winning that match, so.
0: No, but I think I still liked him even at that point. But yeah, like I'm thinking like you know his his blindfold match with uh Martell, what the yeah, Martel. Like I mean, I loved him through that period oh yeah. for sure. Um oh, what so about who,
1: when he, oh, I was going to say ahead. what about when uh his Snake was biting Macho?
0: Yeah, you know, I think at that point I couldn't I couldn't justify Jake the Snake uh, in my mind. At that point I knew he was reprehensible. I mean, you can't you can't put Miss Elizabeth through that and not no. at her wedding reception. I mean, that's no. that's just uncalled for at best.
1: <laughs> but doesn't that really go back to my whole story with uh, Shawn Michaels, where even if you don't necessarily like the guy, and you know, the guy is kind of a sleazeball. There can still be some like stuff you can take out of that. You still enjoy the story that's being told. And if you enjoy the story, yeah, told, I, I agree always involving that person.
0: I agree. But I, again, Indeed. I think that's a very mature. I think that's a 2020 that's a rear view mirror perspective. I don't think I was thinking any of that when I was 10. I, I think at that point I said, Oh man, Jake's a jerk. Now I hate him. Ah, oh, macho is, ah, oh, you know, like, but regardless again, maybe I was a naive, naive child. I, I, I get it. That, that, that's fine. But okay. So you liked Shawn Michaels, you liked Hulk Hogan, um, well, who else? Who did, you, who, who, did you, who did you, who did you dislike? Who did you not like?
1: I mean, there's always those guys that, I mean, I remember one of the, the storylines that I definitely remember as a child, it really stood out to me was the whole, uh, ultimate warrior Papa Shango feud.
0: Okay. So that's a good example because Papa Shango, looking back on it now, I don't like that character. I don't like the gimmick. I don't like anything he was involved with. But for different reasons now than yeah. when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I was legitimately afraid of that dude. I was legitimately like, "Oh God, oh no, he he's doing the voodoo on the Ultimate Warrior." Oh God, I I book I bought it, Hook, Line, and oh, yeah. Sinker. Oh yeah. Um. Now I look back on it, I say, "Oh God, it was so terrible. How could I ever have actually, you know, uh, you know, um, not to say the performer, uh, Papa Shango, there is, is bad. He's he's had certainly." Different characters, different gimmicks He's a hall throughout of the famer. year. Oh, well, absolutely, and well deserving, but not necessarily for his work as Papa Shango. Um wow. Yeah, so I mean, how do you feel about do you do you agree with that? Like Papa Shango? bad dude back oh. in the day when you were a kid, but now eh, okay, doesn't really me doesn't hold up, maybe.
1: Yeah, now it's more just offensive.
0: Yeah, I guess. I, you know,
1: <laughs> ironically, who would have thought that the the Godfather would be one of his least offensive roles?
0: That's true. That's, that's very true. Um, who else didn't you like?
1: Uh, let's see. I mean, there is the, the generic bad guys that always kind of, yeah, you went against like the million dollar man or you
0: didn't like the million dollar man.
1: No, no. Cause I mean, you know, he was always kind of going after the little guys and being a little guy, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't like him either. He was a big old jerk. That's for sure. IRS.
1: Um, I mean, who likes taxes?
0: Nobody, especially not 10 year olds. I mean, they. When I was a 10 year old, I definitely said, oh man, taxes. That's the worst thing. Nothing worse than taxes. So, uh, yeah, clearly that was why I disliked IRS. Um, oh, hey, breaking news. We, this actually broke just before we started recording. I meant to mention it earlier. Uh, Carrie Fisher died, age 60, of uh, Star Wars fame. Princess Leia. So, what do you do? You have any connection with Star Wars? Do you uh, anything to say about this? I think it's a unfortunate, untimely sort of death. Uh, Sixty years old, too young. Definitely too young uh, for Carrie Fisher.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, anytime you you have somebody you know that age die, it's always you know extremely sad and you know disheartening kind of thing. But as for me, I mean, I've watched the Star Wars movies. I'm familiar with the lore and all that, but I uh, never really. It was never, never really my thing. I was never uh, like, oh man, I got to go camp out and watch Star Wars, or I got to go. You know, okay,
0: camp. well, hold on a second. Are you dismissing Star Wars? Are you saying it's not good because it doesn't have anything for you? Like you're aware of them, I've seen them, but meh. Are you saying that meh? Are you saying meh to Star Wars?
1: I'm saying that it wasn't wasn't my cup of tea.
0: Are you it's saying a, it's not your cup of tea, or? It's just not your favorite thing, but you think it's okay.
1: I'm saying that I could live without it and be okay. Huh. But I can understand why some people are big fans of it and it's their thing. But uh just, just wasn't my thing.
0: Get off my show.
1: <laughs>
0: Get off my I've show been, right now.
1: <laughs> I've been kicked out of your house. Yeah? Might as well be kicked out of your house.
0: That's right. Um... No, I mean, that's fair. I guess it's not for everybody. I like Star Wars quite a bit. Um, the original two films, the third one, even that as a child, I, I don't really remember re- enjoying Return of the Jedi that much. But the original two I enjoyed quite a bit, and uh, the more recent films have been pretty good, but certainly not the original, well, not the, I don't even know what to call it. The first three films, the original trilogy... The ones that were made more recently by George Lucas, those ones were terrible. Uh, however, you want to phrase that, but uh,
1: I call it the cash grab. Um, yeah, that's
0: fair. I mean, really, why not? Um, all right, so I, I, heading back, I guess towards the wrestling. Um, when you were a kid, did you go to any shows?
1: Um, I did go to a couple, uh, like house shows and stuff like that. And my dad did take me to a to a RAW when I was a kid back uh when like kane was just first starting out and all that and you could definitely like feel the fireworks and the the heat in the building and stuff like that um but i i haven't gone to a ton of shows overall although no. uh i did recently go to the uh the raw on halloween that was uh that was in town Yep. With, uh with Rachel, and uh, she, she, I feel like, is going to be somebody that is bringing me to a lot more shows. How come? She is probably a bigger fan than I could ever probably, probably ever be.
0: Aren't you, like, one of the biggest wrestling fans that I've ever met?
1: Well, well you've met Rachel, so clearly...
0: Well, prior to my meeting her, like, excluding Rachel, who, again, undisputably is the biggest wrestling fan I've ever met. Um, excluding her prior to that, prior to meeting her, I would say you probably were the biggest fan. But although I don't even know if that's true. I mean, comp- I want you right now, compare and contrast yourself with DC Matthews. Um, which of you are the bigger wrestling fan?
1: Ooh. Um I think he probably watches it more than I do. Because uh, he will go on the network and search down things and he'll watch most of Raw and most of SmackDown and two oh
0: five These days these days you don't do that?
1: No, I'm at most I'm lucky if I make it through RAW. And that's about it. I'll watch all the pay per views and stuff like that. But I uh just not not that into it anymore. Really? I, well, I still—I mean, I still enjoy it, but it's—it's uh, it's more of who the WWE is kind of pushing right now. There's you're not a guys, fan
0: of AJ Styles.
1: That is a lie. AJ Styles is amazing.
0: You're not a fan of Kevin Owens.
1: I am a fan of Kevin Owens, but they apparently aren't because he's not really the headline most of the time.
0: Well, he's the champion on Raw, just as Styles is the champion on SmackDown. So you're gonna sit there and tell me that? They're not pushing uh, any of the right guys, and yet these are your champions.
1: Oh, um, well, let's let's ask CM Punk how it feels to be the champion. Did that work out really well for him? How oh, many it, main events did he have when he was the champion?
0: Listen, that's a different situation because CM Punk was a whiny little, you know, punk, <laughs> right? I mean, it's no, I'm not. I'm, no, I'm I'm kidding, though. In all fairness, it was a different era at that time, and I do think Punk got shortchanged by management quite a bit.
1: Or Jericho, uh, I, even. Well, uh, I, I don't know
0: about that. Jericho seems like he had a pretty good run back in the day. Now, admittedly, I, mean, I wasn't watching actively at the time, so I only have my impressions of what they tell me looking back. You know what I mean?
1: Well, his big WrestleMania moment against Triple H was basically narrowed down to him cleaning up Steph's dog's poop. Like, that's mm-hmm. what they had the champion doing. So... I
0: they, would say that Jericho's big WrestleMania moment is, in fact, losing to Fatu Fandango.
1: <laughs> that's an interesting choice. You know, that is a an option. Um... I'm just going to let that, that sit there for a second there. Uh-huh.
0: Okay. So, was... um, what were you going <laughs> to say?
1: Surprised I'm, t- I'm surprised Fandago's still employed at this point.
0: Eh, well, not much longer, I suspect. Um, so really, though, you're not watching too actively because you say they're not pushing the right people. But I challenge that because I think... You look at these shows, and I think they're pushing a lot of the right people. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I don't like Roman Reigns. I don't like Seth Rollins, and that's probably a more minority opinion. You probably like Seth Rollins.
1: but Seth Rollins is good in the ring, but he is not so great once he picks up a mic.
0: My problem with Seth Rollins, honestly... I would say is that he has not been booked very well.
1: He, he's been booked the same way despite being a face as he was when he was a heel. So it's really hard to really judge what he's supposed to be when he always kind of seems a little squirrely. And
0: I mean, slimy. I guess you can make the argument that there's no such things as heel or faces anymore. You know, they're embracing that gray area. But I always have trouble really getting behind a guy who's supposed to be sort of, you know, the fan favorite, the mainstream audience pick. I have trouble embracing people like that when they have such grievous and obvious flaws uh, in their past, in their character. You know, like this whole him teaming up with Roman Reigns recently, they keep um, teasing a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion and I don't know why Roman or Dean would work with Seth at all. They haven't yeah. adequately addressed that to me uh, at this point. Like, they were brothers. He turned on them. You know what I mean? Like, there there needed to be some sort of resolution. <laughs> something. They had to acknowledge it and move past it, not just ignore it. And I think DC has told me before, oh, well, they talked about it briefly on Raw this week. Yeah, whatever. It wasn't adequate. It really wasn't. They needed to have it out. They needed to have, you know, oh, I'm we're going to have a match and I'm going to kick your ass. And then once that's over, we're even. Or You know what I mean? Something, anything. Um, yeah. Something physical, I think, to make up for for the magnitude of what he did. You know what I mean? You can't just expect me to forget it.
1: Well, I think I think the reasoning behind it is more. They're like, hmm, crowd does not seem to like Roman Reigns, but they seem to like the Shield. I wonder if we put Roman Reigns back in the Shield, if the crowd will like him again.
0: I don't think that's possible.
1: Oh, I'm fairly certain it isn't either. But Vince doesn't seem to care.
0: No, he never does. But um, who else are they pushing that you think is a mistake? Do well, you think Charlotte's th- a mistake?
1: No. Uh, well, I, I think the women's division there is a different issue. It's not that there is a mistake. I think Charlotte's doing a great job as a heel. Uh, I think the problem is they just don't have much else going on Raw for the women's division. It's pretty much Charlotte versus it's been Charlotte versus Sasha for forever. And they just kept trading the titles every two seconds and then now it's like, oh well. Now we gotta switch to something else. Let's just throw Bailey in there, and now that's the story. And now my Sasha
0: problem, my problem with this is that they spent all this time going back and forth with Sasha and Charlotte, and Bailey just sat on the sidelines. They should have been doing something with her. They should have been looking at SmackDown, looking at how they were building a secondary feud. They should have had Bailey feuding with Nia Jax. Because uh, now suddenly this week on Raw, you've got Bailey now feuding with Charlotte. And Dana Brooke, and now you've got Nia Jax again feuding with Jobbers, and I guess t- technically also Sasha Banks. Um, you know, like what were they doing all this time? I know that Bailey was the money feud with Charlotte for WrestleMania; they've been holding off on it. I get that. Yeah. Why couldn't Bailey be feuding with Dana Brooke? Why couldn't she be feuding with Nia Jax? Why is it just because they really don't trust Nia or Dana in the ring yet? Um, is there nobody else on that show? Couldn't they have entered her into a program with, as much as I don't like her, but Alicia Fox? I mean, Alicia Fox is okay in the she's ring. She's employed? Oh, yeah, she's been with Cedric Alexander. I, are yeah, they, I le- are they legitimately dating, or is that just uh, K-fib? I, I, I have no idea.
1: Uh, you know who's the person to ask? I, I am pretty sure that it's not true. Rachel. Cedric Alexander. Alexander, he's already, like, Married, right? They are not married. He's got a girlfriend, though. A long-term girlfriend that was squashed by Nia Jax, but they have a baby. Okay. He already has a long-term girlfriend.
0: Okay, so this uh, is not true, then.
1: She actually appeared on, as Rachel pointed out, she appeared on Raw number uh, when they were in um, was South Carolina, North Atlanta. Carolina. In Atlanta. And she got squashed by Nia Jax. Huh. And they apparently have a baby on the way at some point. No, nope. baby's three. Oh, he's three. Never mind. Oh,
0: all right. So, I mean, because if there was one on the way at the time of that Nash, that would have been a poor decision uh, on everyone's behalf.
1: Yeah. Yeah, thinking back. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, she, uh, that makes no sense. That whole pairing makes no sense. It's just they have these people they have no idea for, so they're just throwing them on there.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: So what else? um well i mean i think part of it is just going back to what you harp on all the time is the stories don't always make any sense or they don't seem to have any long-term plan for anything
0: but i thought you were a wrestling fan much like one dc matthews do the stories really matter or can't you just sit down and watch hour after hour of wrestling and be satiated
1: it can be if the story, I mean, the, the war, the wrestling is no longer a big part of wrestling anymore, though. I mean, the WWE doesn't even really focus on that anymore.
0: Oh, you're saying wrestling is no longer a focus? You're full of crap. No, well, hold on I'm a second. Raw. I'm calling you out here for a second. I would say that the wrestling is more important to the show right now than at any point in the past 15 years on WWE television. I would say they're having more high-quality matches with regular occurrence than they have again in the last 10 to 15 years. I think it's more important now than it has been at any point in the recent past.
1: Well, you look at a, some of these recent Raws, you have 3 hours of, you know, TV time and they'll spend maybe 15 minutes on wrestling. That's not
0: true. I mean, because the only reason why I bring that up is because DC recently, you know, went through this with me and SmackDown. You know, SmackDown two-hour show had something like uh, only four matches or something. And then we, we was looking at Raw, and Raw in the three hours had like seven matches, which proportionally speaking is more wrestling per minute than what SmackDown put on. Um, I, I don't even necessarily that's true in terms of actual minutes, but, you know. Oh,
1: that's, the th- that's the difference, because if you look at the number of matches, like on, you know, yesterday's Raw. You have a squash match by, by Nia Jax. You have a match that never happened. Charlotte
0: Beauregard was very good, by the way, getting squashed. Yeah.
1: So there's, you know, you have these lots of matches. I mean, even think back when they were doing Nia Jax and Braun Strowman match, squash matches at the same time. So you Let me ask you a serious question.
0: Let me ask you a serious question. Are you on Team Braun or not?
1: I was actually just talking to Rachel about this shit last night. I'm not a big fan of his in ring work. But the more he talks, the more he grows on me. He I'm just ta- is he can be entertaining. I am starting I to that.
0: appreciate Braun Strowman in a way that I did not anticipate.
1: I he's not a great in ring worker. Like he doesn't really, you know, do that. Did part. you watch
0: Raw last night? Did you see him run over that guy in the crowd? That was amazing. It was amazing. It was so good.
1: Well, well, actually, one of my favorite parts of RAW last night that we went back and rewatched a couple times was when uh, uh, Enzo was in the wheelchair and he throws his hair into the crowd. It bounced off a little kid, landed in the guy with the Jericho's uh, shirt lap, lit, and he just kind of stares at him. He's like, well, "Okay, whatever," and then puts it on and then just starts mugging for the camera.
0: Nice. That was great. Nice. <laughs> he
1: took he took the moment. That whole Enzo feud, though, that, that makes absolutely no sense to me.
0: What, what do you mean?
1: Well, I mean, let's, let's look at the story here and see who we should be rooting for. We have a, a man who is very obsessed with making sure that his wife is treated well and fairly and that he's you know, the man that is going to take care of her. And then this other man comes in and tries to sleep with the man's wife. And puts moves on her. Shows her his his penis just flopping around. And because of this, when the man whose wife was, you know, sexually harassed, let's be real here. uh, When he goes back and tries to, you know, take honor for his woman, he is considered a heel. Hold on a How second. How is that?
0: Well, okay, I'm with you to a point. I'm with you to a point. Um, That first week when Enzo was nude backstage and approached Lana, at that point, yes, comical, but correct, Enzo was, in fact, in the wrong. I agree with you up to that point. Post that point, the following week, the entire thing with him putting the moves on Lana... and then being beaten down in the hotel room. Well, he was, Enzo was lured back to that hotel room underneath false pretenses of... Him uh, trying to have sex with a man's wife. well, Well, yes, however, it was false pretenses that she, she invited him to do so. She is not innocent in this scenario neither is rusev they set a trap for enzo who was naive who was gullible and who yeah he fell for it he went back to that room underneath those false pretenses and yes morally correct or not um that's neither here nor there because it was entrapment so i think underneath that definition lana and rusev clearly also are scheming bad people and who can, who can blame Enzo? You've seen Lana. Look at her. You're going to say, uh, as, as a warm-blooded American male, or fuck uh, with American, just as a war, as a living human being. Come on. You have that woman telling you, why don't you come on back to my hotel room? And you're not going to say, uh, Oakley Doakley. Let's go. I mean, come on. That's basically what he did, right? Who can blame him for that?
1: Huh. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm in a happy relationship myself. I'm thinking hypothetically
0: speaking as Enzo. Come on. Don't give me that bull crap uh, putting up false walls. Well, not false, but true. But put yourself in a hypothetical situation. Is he really doing something that is that unbelievable or is that wrong? He's just listening to his baser instincts as a, as a sexual being and you're going to hold that against him?
1: I think you and Miss Manson have to have a real serious talk. Um, She should probably check your account make sure you don't have an Ashley Madison account.
0: I said hypothetical.
1: <laughs> sure. Wink. <laughs>
0: uh, Alright. Fair enough.
1: No, but then even then, even then they get past that, right? And then he goes to sensitivity training, which he tries to make a joke of. He was and there. He was
0: participating.
1: And first thing he does is make fun of Jinder Mahal. So then Jinder him up. Wouldn't you? No. <laughs> I meant, at that point, hypothetically, I meant sensitivity training. Okay. He probably shouldn't be making fun of people.
0: Okay, I give you that one. I give you that one.
1: Again, I am a huge Enzo and Cass fan. They hey, okay, well let, let's 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 be
0: honest here. Enzo and Cass the mm-hmm. types of characters that they are, they're not your traditional good guys, right? Yeah, um they do true. I would say some scummy things, but yet due to their personality, they they are overall like a bull. Is that incorrect? That's I mean
1: they are they are very entertaining people and they they are very very likable in the most part but this is the the problem with storyline telling that's kind of where i brought this in is that they don't really have a plan for a lot of these things they just kind of throw in things that seem fun but they don't have a plan for any of it
0: well that's true i i can agree with that as being a problem but i won't begrudge them um I won't begrudge them doing things that seem sort of contradictory in the name of entertainment, because, again, I think they're likable characters, but they're not necessarily um, presented as being intelligent or smart characters. I mean, street smart, maybe, but you know what I mean? They're they're not like deeply philosophical um, thinkers or anything. It's my point is it's okay to be presented as a flawed character character that is a perfectly valid uh narrative device to be flawed and in fact i think it makes you probably uh more relatable and therefore maybe more likable in some ways so i i again this clean face heel thing i don't think that's necessary uh for good storytelling i think you can tell a good story uh even with these sorts of uh mixed up characters but to your ultimate point um yeah, it does seem like they don't have a lot of a long-term plan, and that, that sort of ruins it.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of where I was trying to go. It's just that they, it seems week to week. They just kind of throw things in, and they don't really think about some of the consequences of their actions. And that's part of the problem of having a weekly you know, wrestling show that you always have to update. You always have to keep going. You always have to keep coming up with the next thing. And I think that's why you're probably such a huge fan of the Lucha Underground because you know you have a set season. You know at you know whatever point storylines are wrapped up and that's it.
0: The thing that bothers me the most about the WWE is when they ignore storylines. But storylines just disappear uh, or, or, or we never get any sort of payoff to them. Uh, I, I, I kind of wish that. They the problem with the WWE is not that it's a weekly running series that they constantly have to put on the show, uh, which is sort of what I heard you just say. I don't think that's the problem. The problem is they're actually too uh, reactionary. They're they're too re- people always accuse them of not giving the audience what they want, but actually I think they listen too closely to their audience and and yeah, whether or not they're giving what they want or, or they're going the opposite direction, that's neither here nor there. I do think they're listening actively and I think they are being reactive. And I think that goes on far too much because there's nothing stopping the WWE from writing two months worth of programming and then just sticking to it. And then always being two months ahead You know, there's nothing stopping them from... I mean, yeah, occasionally you're going to have an injury. You're going to have something that you couldn't foresee and you're going to have to adapt. Like, okay, yes, that's probably going to happen. But But I I
1: could just stop booking Seth Rollins in matches.
0: Yeah, then people wouldn't get injured anymore. Uh What? Yeah, no, but but, but, but seriously, um, I think that's the problem. Nobody says that Vince McMahon has to be revising the Raw script up until airtime, right? Isn't that the real problem?
1: I think he enjoys having that rush. I think that's the problem.
0: Do you think he that makes a better that. show? Do you think that makes it more spontaneous? Do you think that makes it um, feel more more live and, and then that helps the audience invest?
1: I don't think it's spontaneous anymore, though. That's the thing. Like, when we were watching as kids and we had that, you know, uh, the Monday Night Wars, and you had WCW versus you know Raw, and every week you really had no clue what was going to happen. Like you really felt like anybody could show up, any sort of crazy storyline might pop up, and you had no clue what the payoff was going to be until it happened. So you kind of had to tune in. Now it's every single week you kind of know what's going to happen.
0: You're thinking that they're not they're not adequately taking advantage of the live format.
1: It's more that if he's going to jump in last moment and change things, don't change it to the thing that we already expect to happen. It's, I mean, when you end pretty, like, we we already have a month co- uh, ahead of us, and it's going to be Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens a million times. We've already seen this match, like, six or seven times in the last month. And we're going to see it six or seven more times before we even get to... To uh, the Rumble.
0: Let me ask you a question. Do you think that now, in, uh, you know, well, it's going to be 2017, do you think that Triple H could once again win the Royal Rumble this year?
1: Oh, there's always a chance. I mean, he's always, as long as he's alive, there's a chance that he will want the title.
0: Yeah. Do you think we're definitely seeing Seth Rollins versus Triple H at WrestleMania?
1: would think so is that
0: written in stone well you're the one who's saying it's not it's not unpredictable anymore things are telegraphed way in advance so if that's true then is that what we're seeing is that what we're going to see
1: well i mean you would you would hope that they would eventually pay off that triple h trying you know getting involved i'm guessing right And
0: and the thing is they brought it up again yesterday after ignoring it for quite some time
1: Well, that goes back to my point where, you know, he comes out, even when they come out with something that's totally off the wall or totally different, they don't have a plan to follow up on. it. Where it's, that happened, what what was that, months ago now, right? Yeah. That happened right after SummerSlam, basically. Yeah, Monday after. And we haven't uh, seen Triple H since. And then they, like you said, they didn't even start bringing it up until a couple weeks ago. And the solution to it was, well, the only way I'm going to get to Triple H is if I fight Chris Jericho, because reasons.
0: Because reasons.
1: Yeah. Um, but now it's like, oh, well, now it's WrestleMania season, so now that's going to be the match, because why not?
0: A lot of spinning the wheels. That's something that we talk about on the show pretty frequently, and it does seem like there's a lot of that going on, especially uh, this time of year.
1: I mean, that kind of goes along with the whole, you know, push towards WrestleMania. And now that you have, you know, two pay-per-views every month, it makes it even, you know, it seems like every week that you have to come up with some sort of new story that makes things interesting and exciting and stuff like that.
0: Have you been watching 205 Live?
1: I have yet to watch it.
0: Yeah, me too. What do you think about Neville?
1: I love me some Neville. Neville is... Amazing as a wrestler. I think he would have been perfect fit for the Cruiserweight division from the start. Because not only is he you know, a high-flying act, but he also was probably the strongest guy in the division by far. So he can do everything for that division. And the fact you're giving him a persona is all he needed. I was going to say, I joked around with Rachel for a long time that you know how he's always known as the man the gravity forgot. I said, no, Neville is the man the creative for God. <laughs> <laughs> and once all they needed to do was give him something. Cause he is an entertaining guy. And it could just be that, you know, as a baby face he really doesn't have that kind of charisma. But you let him kind of step out of his element and be a heel. <laughs> Hi, Miss Manson. <laughs> and uh he can really step into his own.
0: Yeah. No, I think everything I've been doing with uh, Neville the last couple of weeks has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, The only thing I didn't like last night was he relied, uh, he fell back onto the crutch of anti-American sentiment, which I don't think is something that he needs. Um, I feel like most of the heels in the Cruiserweight division at this point are simply sort of playing upon these foreign um, feelings, tensions, and I don't think he needed that. I think he could have just relied solely on I was being ignored, and I am angry. Um, I don't think he needed to come out and say, oh, you don't like me because of my accident. You don't like me because I'm not American. I I thought that was all way off base, and that was actually, I think, uh, uh, somewhat of a misstep, uh, I would say, in the Neville development character uh, last night.
1: Oh, yeah, I think if you replace American with management, that is a much better representation of what was going on, because... Americans didn't care about that. He didn't talk on the mic because they didn't let him. So how were we even going to make fun of his accent? Right. And he hadn't even been in a match in forever. So it had nothing to do with us not wanting him. And as soon as he came out and he actually did something, the crowd cheered for him because everybody likes Neville. It's hard not to.
0: Yeah. I mean, his heel work in NXT is phenomenal. I thought the stuff he did with Sami Zayn uh was out of this world. And I'm starting to see shades of that again. So I'm actually very pleased that now they, they've they deemed Neville worthy of having a personality on television. Once more, I, I just wish hey. that they would, they would, they would do the, the, the smart thing, build him up as a three dimensional character and not make him a one dimensional foreign heel. I, I just think that's, that's a a waste of his talent. Well,
1: I think that's just their crutch. Anytime they have somebody who's you know foreign born that they can't come up with a plan for they just throw that in there that's why we had the un-americans that's why you know lance storm that was his big thing when he was in the wwe i sure. can't come up with anything for him
0: and it works sure. to some extent and it certainly worked more back in the day but uh you know and again i think it's just a systemic problem right now every single heel in the cruiserweight division right now is a heel because of foreign nationality and i think that's just sort of insulting i don't know
1: well i'm also a little concerned i'm hoping that the reason why they except for brian kendrick i
0: suppose but
1: brian kendrick is amazing yeah and he actually i will say is probably one of the nicest guys i've seen uh rachel and i do did meet him for a short bit of time when we were at the raw after uh halloween and him and Rich Swan were like the two people that were outside greeting everybody and saying hi and being incredibly friendly. And Brian, the Brian Kendrick was one of the nicest guys, made sure he took pictures of anybody who wanted it. And probably the most Brian Kendrick thing he could have done was afterwards, he took his little bindle and walked off because he didn't apparently park in the parking garage. He parked in one of the parking garages that was free across the street. He walked off by himself, went to the cold, don- lonely uh, section in the parking lot, got in his car and headed off. Because Brian Kendrick does his own thing.
0: Apparently. Alright, so um, I don't know, we've been going at this for almost an hour now. I- I'm thinking maybe we're going to start wrapping this thing down. Uh, are there any other topics that you wanted to talk about in this your first appearance on, uh, on the DDT Airwaves?
1: Oh, well, See, it's it's been a been a long time since we uh, really got a chance to sit down and uh, talk wrestling. Hundred uh, percent. I I hope to eventually get to sit down with with you and DC again and uh, get to talk wrestling because I do remember back in the uh, the days when we lived together, we would uh throw on the pay per view, no matter if it was uh, WWE or TNA or whatever.
0: I actually, I think when I when I said earlier in the show when I when I said I, I considered you a bigger fan of wrestling than than DC, I, now that I really think about it, I guess that's probably not true because now that I don't think I was just as aware of DC's background as a child and all the to the extent to which he really got into you know the statistics and, and the old time wrestling and now having seen him. Watch these old catalogs and really go through the history. I think he probably wins, but I think the reason why I was saying this is because back when we did live together, uh, you and I were certainly more, um, we 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 watched more product. I think we we were the people who were seeking out TNA on a more regular basis. And even you know, once he fell off and stopped watching TNA, you and I continued watching it for many years thereafter. So I always sort of had this impression of you being being sort of more interested in wrestling in all of its forms, as opposed to just uh, the WWE, which again, I I don't think is actually an accurate or fair assessment of DC Matthews anymore. Um, But that certainly, I think was probably my impression back in the college days.
1: Well, I think he's always been the big WWE fan. He's always, I mean, that's his bread and butter, but I, I mean, I was much more of a pure wrestling fan back then. And I was, you know, willing to try out whatever basically was popping up. And back then, I mean, it's hard to go wrong when you get a match between Samoa Joe or AJ Styles or Christopher Daniels, like some of the greats. And now, because of the way WWE is kind of turning things around, you get to see most of those guys in WWE. You don't have to go searching for them as much. And hopefully, you know, they still keep giving these guys a chance. I mean, I was definitely a little nervous when they brought in AJ and I was afraid that they weren't going to take advantage of him. but they seem to have uh, caught on that this guy is a marketable man and he can do, I
0: will say this. I've always been impressed with AJ Styles for his in ring uh work, but I was never very a very big fan of his on the microphone. Uh it was definitely his weakest sort of um trait, I guess, when you look at his when you look at AJ's total package. Um but you know Oh
1: yeah. I I,
0: I will say that that caused me some concern when he was coming to the WWE because I wasn't sure whether or not he was actually going to uh, be able to 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 hang in a WWE sense of the word who they care very much whether uh, you, are, you are capable of being charismatic and you know bringing in a big indie guy like that really any reason to keep him down at least in my mind so I, I was worried about that but I will say AJ Styles is doing some of the best work of his entire career uh, right now in the WWE I mean sure was he maybe more physically capable 10 years ago in TNA uh, sure some of those matches maybe it's just because of the competition who can say but let's face it I mean he's getting older he's probably slowing down uh, to some extent Um, but even still you know the rest of the AJ Styles experience the promo work all that stuff I feel like is on a whole nother level since he's come to the WWE I don't know if he has the WWE to thank for that Uh, obviously you hear about these backstage sort of um, classes promo classes that they do maybe maybe he's really picked some stuff up there I don't know but you know Styles really is um, all around one of the best talents, well rounded talents that the WWE now has to offer.
1: I think part of that is just, number one, look who he's working with. Like some of the guys he's working with now have make it a lot easier to um kind of play off of. I mean when he You're just right. got in there. Styles versus Ellsworth
0: yeah. has been absolutely gold. Like I can't think of a better opponent than James Ellsworth three J. Styles. You're right. That's a good point you brought up.
1: James Ellsworth. Well, I mean, just look at him. He is a perfect example. I am
0: looking at him right now.
1: It's, again, hard to look away. It's like a train wreck in that way. Uh, But he...
0: Have you ever noticed the visual similarities between yourself and James Ellsworth?
1: The lack of chin, small stature. (laughs) No chin music. Do you
0: think you could pull it off?
1: I mean, it might be more of a mix between. Uh, I think
0: I've seen you slip out of a uh, rear chin lock just the way that he does.
1: Oh, uh, definitely, definitely. I got no, uh, there's not, not not much holding me back. But I would say uh, if I had to go for the sweet chin music, I would probably end up more at the the foley level of chin music. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's just, let's be honest. I'm not lifting my leg that high.
0: No, no, not anymore. None of us are. Or, or, or ever. Y- but, well, that's fair. All right. Uh, All right, Biggie Smalls.
1: I've gone fun. through several names today.
0: Yeah, little, little E. I mean, I might as well just... I mean, your, your Twitter profile, your new Twitter, um, which has been set up by your social media manager during the course of this episode... Um, That's true, yes. ...has your name on it, so should, I, I guess I should just call you... Eric?
1: Sure. I go by many names.
0: All right. Well, uh... I guess I'll give you a shout out here at the arsacist uh, on Twitter. Uh, that is at the underscore A-R-C-I-S-Z-I-S-T, the arsacist. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. It's uh, been a
1: pleasure being here. I'm excited to uh, maybe come back again sometime.
0: I got to say, we I had this idea, and the reason why you even have a microphone now is because, there, were, there was this little bit of time, uh, you know, two months or so when I was doing the Weekly Wrestling News, where I really wanted to get you involved with that show because, uh, you know, our history together, not just as roommates, but also uh, as, as co-runners uh, of an uh, improv, improvisational comedy troupe, um, you, you know, I really feel like we are capable, perhaps, of bringing some good things out of each other in that sort of context. Um, and, you know, I, I, I still want to come up with some sort of project to work on with you in, in that regard. Uh, Weekly Wrestling News, obviously, is something that has sort of fallen to the wayside. But uh, I, we got to come up with something because
1: definitely
0: there, there's gold to be had here. Uh, we, we just have to figure out how to get it out of them hills. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Maybe it becomes the uh, bi-monthly Wrestling News.
0: Something like that. Something like that. All right. He is the narcissist I am Doc Manson at Doc Manson on Twitter. Please follow us both. Uh, if you like what you hear, if you haven't already, check us out. DDT Wrestling on the iTunes. Uh, leave us a review. Five stars, preferable. We won't accept anything less than four. So if you're planning on less than four stars, just stop now. Uh, you know, if you have two minutes, I would encourage you to take two minutes of your time to tell two of your friends about DDT Wrestling. Because, quite frankly, it is the only way that we grow through word of mouth. And, you know, the, the, the more people that listen to us, the more praise I receive, and the more likely I am to actually give you more one off episodes like this doc talk that we have here today. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed yourself here. Narcissist, uh, do you have anything left to say before I send you on out into the void?
1: You know that you never do.
0: And neither do you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This has been Doc Doc. Have yourselves a wonderful holiday season.